This is a nationwide test of the emergency alert system issued by the Federal Emergency Management Agency covering the United States from 2.20 to 2.40 p.m. Eastern Time. This is only a test. No action is required by the public. Well, everyone imagine bumper music. We're pretty traditionally Presbyterian. I love to call. I love to A man must have a code. Oh, no doubt. You see, ladies, I'm not just a Presbyterian. I'm a Scottish old believer Presbyterian. Now he plants his footsteps on every way, and he lies every Five hundred plus show of the Presby Cast. Yeah, it's your old pal Randy Savage. Yeah, welcoming all you guests today. Welcome everyone. Uh, it's a show that we never thought we'd do because, quite frankly, we thought this would get old so much faster than it did. Uh, and yet, here we are. Um, again, what what the world proves is over and over again is two things: one, total depravity is real. And two, it has an appetite for AM-style talk radio. So uh, we're here to fill that void. Uh, we're PresbyCast, Presbyterian, Chortles Weekly. We're um, debuting a brand new uh, camera angle today. Um, I think I think people didn't know how much they needed the the Ranger cam. Uh, essentially, is what is what this comes to. Um, and I mean, just look at the. This is really what peak male performance looks like. Um, you, you may not like it, uh, and yet he is here alive. He is. he is alive. He actually is. Yeah. <laughs> ne- nevertheless, Ranger persisted. <laughs> well, you, you often hear him uh, shake his ears or um, or groan, or he, he snores and he makes all sorts of sounds. And I promised uh, very ill-advisedly in some propo- promotional material that we would have animals. So I had to make this happen, and it it occurred to me how to do it, and we did it. So, you know, we've come a long way. You know, this was, th- these are the, again, let's go back. These are the first words ever heard on PresbyCast. Well, everyone imagined bumper music. Yeah, and who could have imagined what the bumper music would have become? Uh, so we're going to revisit some, just a few classic clips and shows, and we've got some uh, people who, <laughs> more will be joining us later, but some people who are important to us. Uh, and it's important to note that there's no audio filter on that clip. It really did sound like we were talking through tin cans with a string tied between them. Yeah, that that was the Google Hangouts days, um, which you know, actually, you know, there were a lot of good, a lot of good things about Google Hangouts, and they kind of messed them up. And then we got you know stuck with uh, Zoom for a brief time, and um, boy, the options have gotten a lot better in the last uh, few years. And for people starting now, it's um, Dare I say it's easy uh, to start podcasting? 
Um, I mean, we used to we would record the shows on like on a private YouTube, just the two of us. And then I would go to the extremely ethical and not at all shady uh, record from YouTube.com where I would upload the URL of the YouTube video we had just recorded and then extract an MP3 from it. Again, totally legit, not at all questionable about what they were doing with the audio data that we were providing them. Uh, however, you know, we're, we're still here um, regardless of that fact. Uh, well, and, you know, more or less happy to be here, too. So well, it, it's hard to say that we've done exactly 500 shows. Uh, we have we have more than that on the feed. We deleted a couple. We had a couple of best ofs. So uh, as near as can be uh, determined, we have, we've done 500 shows. And I said earlier this in um, uh, the, the music show Saturday night, I said in six years. Well, it's seven years. Seven years and about four months at this point. So uh, here we are, and uh, and then there's uh, there's our friend Doctor Daryl Hart. Are you with us, Doctor? I am. Oh, good. We can hear you, and uh, that's good. And we've also got, uh, you know, I was thinking, have Hart and Clark ever been on the show at the same time? And I think you have twice. Uh, but uh, right. if you, that's right. probably the best thing that could happen tonight is you and you, Doctors uh, Clark and Scott, just kind of talk and argue with each other and. Uh, you may you may not know this, but one of our biggest shows was the show that we did with you two about uh, John Frame. That was one of our most listened to shows. So, make of that what you will. And we also who have, else do we have here? Well, we've got well. You see Ranger, the Presby dog. Uh, that's a live shot. That's not a still image. Um, and uh, we've got uh, Scott Clark. We've got Amish Ambush, who's been with us from the beginning, off and on. He's sort of our show ombudsman. And Chris Drew, uh, Dr. Hart, your OPC brother. So uh, there you go. So how are you? I don't know why you guys were uh, complaining about the audio from the first Presby cast. I mean, that just sounds like it's par for Heidelcast, right? Ooh. <laughs> oh, shots fired. Oh, there we go. Don't mess with me. I am armed. I have four or five hundred sound effects here. So I'm so excited to see Ranger. I'm a big Ranger fan. So I'm. I don't know how many followers Ranger has on Twitter, but I'm one of them. You know, he's such a good boy. He's a good boy. Although when 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 Trottle said he was going to have. Ranger cam. I kept thinking it was going to like mount a camera to his head or something, and then I wonder, well, what good would that be? Because all the dog would be doing is what we're seeing here on the screen, and all we would see is like the floor. Just oh. gratuitous shots of Chortle's ankles the entire time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't need no, to see that. He'll start moving. He was moving a lot earlier, rolling around, and I had to readjust the camera because he moved from one side of the bed to the other. Uh, but he, the bed's in a closet, so you know you, that's closet uh, debris around him, but. Uh, well, our, I'm sure our podcast listeners really enjoy the uh, the uh, description of the sleeping dog. That's good. Well, this, That's is, good radio. this is also the podcast that did a description of eating chicken uh, on air as well. So you can you can bear with us as we talk about the dog who is sometimes called Resby. Yeah, we uh, we we invented ASM, <laughs> ASMR or whatever that stuff is, but we won't we won't go in. We won't uh, have any more to say about that weird and creepy thing. 
It's 9.43 p.m. Eastern Time, right? So it's late for him. It's time for bed. Yeah, if it were well, 9.43 Pacific Time, the dog would be yelling, standing at the top of the stairs here in the Clark household, demanding that we we get going with the bedtime routine. So, uh, Ranger is never happier than when I'm in here podcasting because uh, he, he, he's a, he's a, it's his favorite thing in the world. Uh, he never causes a problem or asks for anything. He just likes to be with uh, you. Yes, yes. He's a good boy. And, uh, he's your Ranger, buddy, right? He's the proportional inverse of the rest of my family. <laughs> Couldn't be more disappointed that I'm locked in the bedroom again. All right, so we I think we'll be joined by uh, I think maybe Zoe's going to join us, and I don't know if there was if there was one more. Um, but uh, suffice it to say, in June of uh, 2016, uh, we didn't know what we were doing, and we didn't know we would still be doing it. We were, uh, I was not very anonymous, but I was sort of anonymous. Uh, Resby, you know, with all of his uh, foreign legal trouble, he has to stay anonymous. We won't say anything more about that. There are countries he can't go to. But uh, tell us, Resby, now, this is going to be of interest to everyone on the panel. You were recently uh, in the Holy City. Tell us about uh, your experiences in the Holy City. Yeah, so I was um, voluntold uh, to to visit Moscow, Idaho. Um, I made made the pilgrimage to to go look at it, uh, which basically amounted to where can I get a good sandwich and a cold beer. Um, I could say, as a college town, I approve of the University of Idaho. It's kind of a, a nice place to be, quirky, kind of center right crunchy all the things that you would expect from a western idaho thing but um you know provo utah it is not in all the connotations uh thereof so um i'm pretty sure i passed the signs of the things that you think of when i when people typically mention that locale but uh parachuted in ate a couple sandwiches and you know did did not um did not get um, gospel obedience even once. I was I was nay accosted. No one was singing hymns in the in the uh, establishment where you were eating sandwiches. That video no. was going around Twitter last night of <clears throat> people in in Moscow just breaking out into hymns in a some kind of establishment restaurant. It, it was I probably got, Bootsers, I, wasn't it? Uh, so that was my assumption. I could be wrong, but I just assumed that that um, huh. that's get, the that's the Kirk yeah, pub, Bo- or pub or yeah, Bootsers Pub. It was associated with Doug Wilson's church, and um, there was some uh, the, the 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 owner was a member, and I think he fell out with them, and I think he was sort of forced to sell. Uh, so I think it's changed hands, but uh, mm-hmm. who knows? Who knows? So did you? you yeah, it's just a just a perfectly normal college town. It's not this, you know, high walled um, fiefdom of uh, yet. Were there any uh, stocks? You yeah, know, did they have stocks? It's, it's, it's coming. You know, I, I i did watch I did watch a couple ne'er do wells get some vegetables pelted at them. Um, but I mean, what would you expect? I mean, the University of Idaho are the vandals after all, so um, <laughs> they're always trying the, to sack the... something. Was the pyre located in the town square for the heretics to be lit up? Or 
Uh, there was a fire. There was a fire advisory. It was awfully dry, so um, okay. I think that's why they were, you know, using the stocks more than normal. Um, Did you catch the Jenny Geddes ban when you were there? Why are you stealing <laughs> my jokes, dude? Uh, yeah, I, you got to move faster, dude. <laughs> I, I, I was I was waiting for an opening, man. I di- I didn't, but I guess this is where I talk about loose stool or something like that as well. So, um, hello. You know. <laughs> if it hey, wasn't... So you haven't lived until you've seen the Jenny Gettys band do Close to the Edge. Good stuff. So no couches set on fire. Is that what you're telling us? I didn't. I the I kept looking for, you know, they've got those axe-throwing bars or things like that. I, yeah. I kept looking for a place that would let me smash pots with a baseball bat yeah, and uh, just just struck out uh, every as it time were. I, everywhere I looked. Yeah, As it were, yes. Yes. <laughs> Had a pretty good Reuben, though, so, you know. All right. Before we get started with a few clips from days gone by, um, I wonder if anybody had anything they wanted to, to get out. You know, before you forget, anything you want to say before we, before we uh, move on with this program? Daryl and I are going to be in concert. <laughs> oh, boy. No, we're, doing a, we're doing a conference together with Kim Riddleberger in uh, the Detroit Metro, Oakland Hills Community Church, OPC, uh, Saturday the 14th. So just in case people haven't heard about that, tickets are now $20. There's still a little space left. And um, we're going to talk about worship. Uh, Daryl is talking about well-ordered worship. Kim Riddlebarger is talking about the, the Lord's Supper. And I'm answering the question whether all of life is worship. So that's uh, Saturday the 14th. Oakland Hills Community Church, OPC, in the Detroit Metro. And is uh, Harris Perkins, Harrison Perkins, the pastor there now? That is the, exactly that's Harrison Perkins' congregation. He's the the uh, the minister, and uh, Jonathan Cruz will be hosting a Q and A. So we're going to have a lot of fun, as much fun as PNR types are allowed to have at one time in one place. All right. Well, very very good. Um, so you know, we first interviewed Harrison when he was still in London. And then shortly thereafter, he uh, he came back. I don't know if he got in trouble and he had to leave leave uh, no no leave London <laughs> because no, of, no. because of being on the show. You know that's what I meant. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But he's a pretty respectable for us. So yeah, present company excluded, of course. Yeah, of course, yes. Um, well, again, so we started in June of 2016, and uh, we kind of missed the seven year anniversary. We were busy. General Assembly was going on, uh, so we said, "Well, we'll just we'll just do we'll just well, we knew 500 was looming, and here we are." So I think what we want to do is play uh, play a clip or two uh, from the first uh, show, 30 minutes long. Uh, it was it was it was pretty bad. The, the show was 30 minutes, not the clip. We're right? About to play. Yes, yes, yes. So let's hear. It. Let's let's see if we. You know, a few times I said, "Well, we've always been about the church and worship." That's sort of been our thing. But then I, I got to thinking, was well, that really true? Well, look, uh, we have movement with Ranger. Here we we go. do. I, th- I thought that was a still for oh, sure. Oh, no, no, but... not at all. No. <clears throat> but uh, He's little... just, he could go professional at what he does. Yeah. So June something, 2016, uh, in the uh, long, in the, the midst of time, uh, gosh, I had a, uh, had a sound effect for, uh, oh, there we go. There you go. <laughs> Oh, wrong one. Hang on. Here we Somehow go. Somehow that worked, though. First clip. 
There we go. Well, everyone imagined bumper music. Uh, these amateur pod- podcasters uh, are uh, a bit primitive and inept, but uh, welcome to PresbyCast. There you go. That was a short one. Uh, you know, I sounded like I was on helium because the, the, the headset microphone, which cost $20, didn't have any bass response at all. And I was younger, too. And uh, probably very confused, and uh, that that I think that came through there. Um, but yes, uh, the first words spoken were "Imagine bumper music," uh, and there's no there's no irony in that at all. So let's uh, let's hear the, let's hear uh, clip number two. But let's say a little bit about who we are and why we are uh, here and do what we do, uh, and uh, that is. Uh, very strongly in the importance of uh, the local church and the connectional church. Uh, mm-hmm. We have Presby in our name. Uh, that's probably not good marketing, Presby, to put uh, a, a micro denomination, uh, you know, to allude to a micro denomination in your name. So we are about the church, and if we don't talk Absolutely. about the church a lot, uh, we, we've gotten off course. I'm sure some would, many would say we've gotten off course in one way or another, but we did sort of. We did sort of stick to that, so um, you know, Scott, you were doing, you were doing. What what were you doing in 2016? Was it mostly doctrine, or you know, you were doing some stuff for the seminary, which touched on the church? But I'm not sure who was doing churchy stuff seven years ago. Um, I have no idea what I was doing seven years ago. You don't remember. I don't remember. (laughs) That's what the computer's for. That's what the Internet's for. That's where... Say, if only you had a well-indexed website that could tell you exactly what you were talking about. (laughs) Scroll back through the Heidelblog, and you could figure out whatever what I was talking about uh, in uh, 2016. No no earthly idea. Um, so well, you were yeah, you, you as as were Reformed Forum and White Horse Inn before that. They were the uh, they were they were the three that probably made us think we could do it, and um, and many more. If those guys could do it. Anybody can do it. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I think I think we've been very good at inspiring people because when they they get to know us and they think, yeah, we can we can handle this. And there have been a a, a rash of PCA. Uh, podcast uh popping up in the last year uh, really in the last six months so we'll let the true. we'll let history decide whether that's a good thing or not all right let's hear something else from the first show another thing we didn't really discuss this but and until today but uh i said you know we're not going to be uh cage fades calvinism plus beer reviews and uh <laughs> resby was very much in agreement with that which i was i was glad uh, I don't listen to podcasts. Um, do you, uh, Resby? I, um, uh, I guess if if you haven't read the Twitter by now, the the Presbyterian is a is a pun of of two different things. It would be uh, obviously Presbyterianism and and also uh, my love of the other great predetermined result in my life, pro wrestling. So, well, you know, Scott Sauls is not happy with your with your. <laughs> With your wrestling reference, you saw the picture, I suppose. Well, I'm drinking as unredemptive of a beer as can be. We'll we'll, we'll just call it champagne, and that should pretty <laughs> much fill you in on what it is. But uh, um, so that's where that's kind of where I'm coming from. So wrestling, yeah, pretty much online wrestling is what we've got here. 
All right. I don't know what Twitter uh, heat you had with Scott Sauls there, but I was alluding to something uh, that, that meant something back then. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't remember what it was, but this is really the great reversal is uh, you saying you don't listen to podcasts back then, which I don't think there could be a more uh, inverse today of, of me listening to fewer and you listening to more. Uh, yeah, it's um, I, I didn't uh, I never listen. I, I didn't even have a podcast app until we started. Uh, I would download Reform Forum uh, on uh, iTunes and drag them over to the uh, Shuffle back in those in those early days. Uh, so yeah, it's uh, it's changed a lot. And I guess I, Scott, I'd listen to yours online on the website. And uh, uh, although Daryl, you were on Twitter before I was. Uh, you were you were years away from uh, from audio entrepreneurship at that point. Well, I have a face for radio. Well, but it's very earnest, though. I mean, it's it's earnest. It's a trustworthy face, and you got your hair is a lot darker than mine. So <clears throat> it's lovable. It's it's, it's friendly. Well, if that, you know him. That, if that, you know him. that doesn't go for everyone on the panel, Chris Drew. So, yes, <laughs> yes, the man with the Calvin, the 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 authentic Calvin beard. All right, so uh, Amish, what are your memories of the early days of of Presbycast? Well, I remember listening to the very first episode the week that it came out, and we were taking a trip up to Ohio to visit the family, and the kids got excited because they recognized mr miserable's voice right away that's me <laughs> yeah that's you they, they couldn't pronounce isable so they, they, they <laughs> to this day they call it miserable um it's stuck and, at church uh, for some reason i don't know why it's stuck <laughs> but uh it's like mr miserable's on the radio when i was like well yeah they were too young for me to break it down but uh that's that's my recollection we i remember pulling into like a uh mcdonald's drive-thru and popping that on and on the way up so well you your uh your bill was a lot cheaper back then at mcdonald's than it is yeah, now definitely all right I, yeah I, they had a true dollar menu back then still all right i think we're on clip four let's hear clip four from the original uh and you know we we really thought we were going places, but because we called our first episode episode four a new hope, uh, to take off on the Star Wars movie, and neither one of us are geeks. I don't know why we did that, but it was done. Here we go, number four. Uh, you and I both live in pretty rural areas of our respective states, um, but that there's a, there's a lot of I guess urban fatigue. Um, whereas all of this trickle down from the cities and, and the initiatives from there, you know, as it reaches us in these small towns, I, I drive 25 minutes to church from a town of 425 in a good census year to a town of, you know, a few thousand. So, you know, suddenly these big city initiatives, they don't always translate. Yeah. The, you know, the PCA ministry to coon hunters is not, is not well advanced. <laughs> yeah, I'm still um, waiting for that squirrel hunter program and I'll, I'll be all over that. Yeah. Yeah. Squirrel hunting, a, res, a wrestling fan, uh, you know, California refugees, you don't see a lot of those 
you're 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 a micro minority of one there. Uh, so yeah, I, I emphasize the in exile part of that <laughs> refugee status. Yes, yeah, so, uh, you're. Uh, I'm a pilgrim. You're a stranger. So uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> there we go. Well, I, that was a pretty good line. Uh, but the whole pilg- pilgrims and strangers are. That's not a very popular uh, ethos today. Uh, that's one of the ways I think the world has changed. Um, we're back to we're back to muscular Christianity, doctors doctors Hart and uh, Clark. Um, it says it, it, we we should talk about how things have changed, and um, you know uh, this was this was uh, before Trump was elected. Uh, you know we I don't even know if I don't know what how serious a candidate Trump looked like in uh, June of sixteen. Uh, but oh, by, I think it was pretty. I think it was pretty serious by then. I probably. I mean, you, I, mean, I don't know we, how seriously. We've been neglecting one yeah. of our greatest attributes. You know, we're we're a podcast through three presidencies. <laughs> we're, on, we're on our third president. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's. I actually was thinking about that last week, and that um, a lot has changed. But uh, doctors Hart and Clark, um, any comment on how you know the culture, uh, the church have changed uh, post Trump? Well, you know, you you started the podcast pre-COVID, um, and yeah, and pre-Trump, so it, you know, it seems to me that the world is, in some at least our world as we experience it in 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 this culture in the U.S., um, considerably different in a lot of ways uh, from the world that we knew in 2016. Um, mu- you know, much more chaotic. Uh, I mean, we we just saw the Speaker of the House get ousted. Um, they keep they tell us on television it's the first time it's ever happened. So, it um, yeah we it thinks it seems to me are a lot more chaotic, uh, somewhat more divided uh, than they were. Uh, although I do think I'm I don't know that I'm as optimistic as some of the young guys in the in the PCA, some of the Greenville guys. Um, I don't know, maybe Sean or some of the some of the other guys, uh, Stephen, uh, seem to be quite optimistic about uh, the PCA. But I do think things look better in the PCA now than they did in um, in twenty sixteen. It seems to me. I don't know. What do you What do you boys think? Oh well, you know, it's, everything's relative in a way. Uh, we're, we're not advocating for moral relativism. But uh, the PCA was it was sort of a demoralizing place for uh, uh, what you know, I don't know what uh, what some of the our opponents began to call the Southern Christian Wesleyan perfectionist moralists. Uh, that's what we were all called in the midst of the Revoice controversy or toward the tail end. And um, but no, things have changed, uh, and I think think for the better. And uh, time will tell. But yeah, it's a dramatic, a dramatic turnaround about halfway through the life of a presbycast. Although it was not really uh, clear what was happening uh, until the last couple of years, really. You know, you there aren't a lot of uh, there are not a lot of super optimists or people who think everything's fine or that we should count our chickens, etc. Um, yeah. So, Doctor Hart, I know you've thought a lot about the. Uh, uh, evangelicalism and uh, uh, pre and post Trump. And um, I think one of the things we can do is just warn it, warn everyone that the next year is going to be absolutely brutal and people just sort of need to prepare for that now. 
I think. So how might we do that? Well, I keep wondering when all those fans of Dietrich Bonhoeffer are going to step up and uh, try an assassination plot of their own here. Um, You're not inciting it. You're not suggesting it. Well, I mean, come on. If, 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 if you're going to turn this guy who wanted to kill somebody into a, 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 a font of piety, I mean, step up. Um, but, I mean, back to 2016, well, and also the idea of pilgrims and strangers, I, that's been a big theme in the OPC, I think, at the General Assemblies in the sermons I've heard. Uh, we do have elements in the OPC that are probably more, um, <clears throat> and even more recently, maybe a little bit more um, muscular, maybe even lean Christian America in some ways. But I think overall the OPC has emphasized the the uh, kind of amillennial outlook. And I think sometimes perhaps too much to our uh, discredit because, you know, there's a, a lot in scripture about the world and the, the created world and how good it is. I, it's hard to turn to um, th- throughout the Old Testament and not hear some sort of encouragement, prophecy, promise about, you know, f- flourishing in the land or whatever. And I, I do think, you know, was, uh, I, I guess maybe I'm thinking through my own thoughts, but I do think that we can enjoy the world and as well as un- understanding it, that it is, it is passing, it is ephemeral, it is not permanent, but it's still part of God's good creation. I mean, so, so that's one point about the pilgrim and, and uh, stranger theme. But the other one, back to 2016, I mean, it was two years after Ferguson, and in the evangelical world, probably the PCA as well, there was a lot of concern about race, um, which is, you know, seems to have died off in some ways. Um, I don't remember when Truth's Table started podcasting, probably about around then. I think it was um, early 2017. This was, okay. Yeah. And then this was also before the... Um, Judge Kavanaugh hearings and the Christine Blasey Ford charges about uh, abuse and the Me Too, Me Too f- movement, which I think has really taken uh, a wide purchase in American society and our churches, um, probably in some ways for good reason, but also I think for troubling ways because due process is really hard to navigate in some of those charges and, and counter charges. And um, it, when you throw into that, uh, I mean, maybe a more general call to suffering and which can be adja- adjacent to victimhood, um, people may automatically sympathize in, in, in perhaps not the best ways with claims about Abuse, and again, I'm not trying to say it's people have made stuff up, or that it isn't happening. And I and I know of some cases indirectly in the in the OPC where it's it's a serious matter, um, and and I think some 
husbands and sessions have sounds like they have behaved badly. But on the other hand, there has been perhaps an over um, or an expansionist view of abuse so that words, um, criticisms, and even, um, you know, negligence, not getting the right kind of treatment from the pastor or the session that can sometimes qualify as abuse. And we're now in that world in ways that I don't know that we were in 2016. And of course, there was a big SBC, you know, supposedly expose and some heads rolled in the SBC from different um, institutional platforms. But, you know, I, I think, I think that the claims of aggrieved people in, in America have, um, has also affected our churches. Uh, and I'm thinking, I guess in particular, I'll just say it, the, the general assembly of the OPC and, 2022 when there were charges about racism there from staff at the university and uh, you know i don't think we followed the book of church order i'm not sure how we could have uh it was a very difficult situation to try to have the have the host institution honor the contract uh but on the other hand there seemed to be a a rush to believe the people who thought that some of the commissioners were guilty of racism rather than saying, well, let's try to sort this out. And if you're going to bring a charge against an officer, you have to have a witness and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. It's a huge thing in the PCA right now. And, uh, you know, the, uh, I fear that sometimes what, uh, the, what, what may be called abuse is what we used to just call someone being a jerk or being unfit and uh, it, 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 it hurt. It makes it harder to deal with real abuse if we expand the, the definition so broadly that it, does, it becomes meaningless. Um, it, it, it's sort of like what you see with the, um, you know, the, 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 the LG, the LGBs and the Ts fighting it out uh, because they're, they're, they, they both think uh, the other side is, is – um, Claiming things that aren't so, and um, it's it's very difficult. Uh, I think anecdotally, there's very little abuse in the PCA, uh, but the, the you know, few notable cases. And this again, this is not even it's not generally sexual abuse or child abuse we're talking about. It some of it's almost employment issues, mm -hmm. uh, or just issues that have always been with. I, mean, I don't want to downplay it, but and when you take it. When you make it an online activist campaign and you litigate online, um, it always goes <clears throat> it always goes sideways. And uh, you know we're in a, we're in a, an unstable place. We had a study committee. I'm not sure that was a good idea. Uh, I now vote against all study committees, hmm. no, no matter why, no matter what they're about, because I've never seen I haven't seen any good come from them. Uh, you know the PCA could have, in my view, could easily have hired a some experts to put together some best practices and made them available, but we we kind of drug ourselves into that arena, and it's a it's it's a rough arena to, um, to operate in. I fear. Don't you think there's some value uh, to some of the OP uh, the PCA 
study committee reports. The, the Federal Vision Report was very good, very instructive. Uh, I think the OPC Justification Report was very instructive. The EOPC has actually produced a number of, of instructive reports. The PCA's report on theonomy, not to say that the ecclesiastical action on all those things has always maybe been what one might want, um, understanding the difficulties and you know, what, what do you do with the study committee report? Yeah, um, at any rate, uh, for pedagogical purposes, I think those things are, are can be useful, not to say they're all um, equally useful. And if I could go back to something Daryl said earlier, um, I've been thinking, so I'm getting ready to go to the conference, and so I have to get a bunch of things um, you know, written, and uh, so I, I've been doing a lot of writing the last uh, few couple of days trying to get ready to go and and I've been looking at uh, and then for the podcast I've been you know going through Christianity and liberalism and on page around 152 uh, Machen says this is towards the end of uh, chapter six uh, he says but if Christianity be directed toward another world uh, if it be a way by which individuals can escape from the present evil age to some better country what becomes of the social gospel um, and uh, he says, at this point is detected one of the most obvious lines of cleavage between Christianity and the liberal church. And see, anyway, his discussion in that section, as I was reading it, it, it seemed to me that it applied just as well to religious conservatives as it does to uh, religious liberals. Um, for the whole time I've been in the Reformed world, I've had theonomists, Reconstructionists, and uh, triumphalists of various kinds telling me that, um, you know, I'm too otherworldly. And there's, you know, Machen in, in Christianity and liberalism defends uh, pretty stoutly what in some circles gets called an eschatological, um, you know, uh, orientation. Uh, so I the other day I, I said, uh, I wrote somewhere, um, you're, you're, some of you people are so this-worldly, you're no otherworldly good. I mean, um, you know, Daryl appeals to the Old Testament, fair enough, but the Old Testament is interpreted by the New Testament. And, um, you know, uh, and I just, I don't see much uh, business in the New Testament where people are, you know, engaging culture, uh, transforming anything. Uh, you know, obviously there's a clear affirmation of the goodness of the of the world per se, but, but it's pretty otherworldly religion. I mean, uh, Chris, I'll, I'll shut up in a second. Uh, Chris Gordon has been preaching through Daniel, and I'm having flashbacks to things that Daryl was saying 20 years ago. Um, Daryl did some terrific work on Daniel as a model for how we navigate life in Babylon. And um, it, it's interesting. Chris is coming to a lot of the same conclusions Daryl was uh, 20 years ago. So have you moved on that stuff, Daryl? I mean, are, you, are we still in Babylon, or, or what do you think? No, I think we are, but we still have to um, rear children, feed children, pay bills, take out the garbage, um, and kill tyrants. Right? Can't we? Can't we under nature kill tyrants? I mean, what's wrong with what uh, um, Bonhoeffer tried to do? I think he tried to do a good thing under the right as a matter of nature. Can't why, why can't we kill tyrants or? Why can't we try to, uh, I'm not saying as a church, right? Uh, the church has no business doing that. But can't Christians as— I'm not sure that Christians 
can do that either. But but that's that's a this worldly concern. I mean that. Um, but I, I don't know. I you th- I don't know if you've. I'm thinking. I guess in some ways about the uh, discussion between Jake Medor and um, and uh, Aaron Wren about the main line and why we need a main line and and I I don't. I mean, there's a there's a hole in that discussion about um, how badly the main line got the gospel and proclaimed it, and and God. is it possible to be the main line and still proclaim the gospel? I don't know of of a case where that has happened in history with any of the ecclesiastical establishments. But, but, but... I agree, by the way, entirely. I have no idea what Ren's talking about. When when he talks about this, when he talks about the main line, I think, what are you talking about? Where, he's he's well, fabricated a history of the main line that I don't think ever existed. The, the, Christian, since, the Christian nationalists would happily uh, uh, go along with a cultural Christianity main line. Yes. That's um, what that's what they say in in the statement. But, but mm-hmm. so did we. So did oh yeah. We we conservatives. I mean, I think the United that's States true. was a, was a better place when the main line was running things. So for the first forty years of the OPC's existence, I think it was a it was a better world, and <laughs> and it had to do something with the the influence of a cultural Protestantism. Sure. That but, pervaded. But there are remnants of Christianity still in the PCUSA, um, more substantial remnants of Christianity in the PCUSA um, in the middle of the 20th century than today. I mean, today the PCUSA would be the left wing of the uh, of one of the political parties. I mean, is there? Um, I'm not saying there aren't. There's. I'm not saying there's no one in the PCUSA that believes the faith. But if you get caught believing the faith in the PCUSA, you will come under suspicion. Right. So, but so my point is simply that if you if you think about life in this world and what's good for the church and for Christians to operate in this world while they wait for the world to come, it might be useful to have some kind of uh, religious influence in major institutions that keeps the world congenial for Christians, which I think was true with the main line up until about 1970. Um, and, you know, I think the, the idea that we're, that we're pilgrims and saints, it can lead to, and I think it has led to, disregarding the relative value of that main line endeavor. Again, not as anyway kind of how to teach explain proclaim the gospel but only in the sense of how to maintain a relatively sane sensible orderly society hmm. which so, i think are uh, those are good things how do you square that with the, the stuff you're arguing in a secular faith or do you see those as coherent um have you moved i guess is what i'm asking no i, I it's it's i mean they're they're the two kingdoms but they're still they're still here they're still here and now and in the in the the kingdom of the left hand you'd like um less crime you'd like public officials to be uh adults in the room 
um, you'd like universities to be sane about what they're teaching and programs right. are starting. And yeah. that was all true for a while. Um, yeah. And I, you know, I think the OPC, OPC, for instance, didn't necessarily give lots of credit to the main line for doing that. And I get why we didn't do that. And I don't know how we would have done that. But on the other hand, it's been a lot worse, I think, trying to be a conservative Protestant in a post-mainline world as well. I think the uh, the old Lutheran theology of the cross versus theology of glory distinction is helpful as we talk about things today. I think we have to recognize, uh, I tweeted a few couple of months ago that, you know, uh, Christian Christian nationalism could easily become uh, just a, a right wing social gospel uh, very 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 quickly and uh, very easily, and I think it's probably a, a form of prosperity gospel as well, arguably, as are mm-hmm. things on the evangelical so. left uh, also. Um, but, I mean, there's a reason why the Pentecostals picked up on Rush Dooney's um, triumphalism. Right, the whole new apostolic reformation is the um, I don't know what would the child, I guess, of um, of Rush Dooney's postmillennial triumphalism. Um, they, you know, they saw the inherent in his program the health and wealth aspects, and um, and they synthesized it with their name it and claim it over realized eschatology. I mean, it's at the end of the day, it's all. Um, as you say, it's all a theology of glory. It's all triumphalism. Um, so it's they're they're yeah. It's it's almost impossible for me when I read you know Machen critiquing, uh, contrasting the eschatology of the New Testament with the social gospel. I, you know, I don't think of Rauschenbusch. Um, you know, I think of the right wing that's selling a social gospel. Um, that's basically what I'm seeing in the. In the statement that I've been interacting with on the social on uh, Christian nationalism, it, it's a it's essentially a social gospel. Well, even going back to your point of you know the the New Testament not addressing culture or you know uh, engaging with culture, you could you could argue that the quote unquote culture back in the time of the apostles was was worse than what we have. And and what do you what do you get from the, you know the apostles' writing is is lead, lead a quiet life and mind your business right? Uh, it, it, it's exactly right. So that was one of the things I was working on today was well how often and in what context do, do New Testament writers tell Christians to be quiet, mind their business, and 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 stay out of trouble? Um, and it's it's a lot more frequent. Um, you know the the triumphalists, the Christian nationalists, the theonomists, the you know reconstructionists—they have no place for the Sermon on the Mount, First uh, and Second Peter, um, sections of of First Timothy. As much as they chop out of the New Testament, they make the dispensationalists blush. And I don't mean all the dispensationalists, but I mean the—I guess you'd call them hyper dispensationalists, who say that some of the New Testament is not for today. They make them blush. Because practically they exclude um, that stuff. It doesn't. It doesn't feature. Every time I quote Romans thirteen, somebody, one of those guys, writes to me to tell me why Romans thirteen is not for today, which is nothing but a dispensational hermeneutic. And my response is: I would just like is, to point out. I would just like to point out that Amish stole my good point. Well, that's what you get for <laughs> stealing my joke earlier. Yeah, you have your revenge. 
So, I, I mean, yeah, in the first century and the second century, uh, chemical abortions were rampant. Slavery was rampant. Um, you know, human trafficking was rampant. It was, it was for most people, most of the time, life in the first and second century, third century, fourth century, fifth century. But in the ancient world, life for most people, most of the time, was solitary, poor, nasty, brutish, and short. And see, look at us. We've just, you know, fallen, you know, to the current zeitgeist. Just, a, just a bunch of dudes thinking about the Roman Empire again. <laughs> uh, we, we literally can't get away from it. Uh, yeah, I, honestly, yeah. I do not understand that whole thing. But, but yes, it's true. I mean, uh, if you, especially, you live in a blue state, I think that it's easy to think of the Roman Empire. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, who, who was the best Roman emperor, and you know why? Why is it Marcus Aurelius? Yeah, yeah. Daryl is right. Wasn't bad. Daryl is right. We 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 have um, we've benefited from our Protestant heritage. Um, certainly, Machen appreciated. Uh, even talked about Anglo-Saxon the, the Anglo-Saxon concept of liberty. Of course, ironically, um, uh, there are a lot of people today who think the Constitution is a failed document. Uh, of course, it is failed, and as much as it's not perfect, and it was, uh, you know, it was not given uh, on Mount Sinai. It's not divinely inspired, but I think most of us would agree it's a good thing, and we shouldn't, uh, we shouldn't, we shouldn't uh, dispense of it because it hasn't been able to prevent uh, you know, insane people from uh, doing sex changes to children, for instance. I mean, it, it's a, it's a tool. Uh, but it it does in many ways. Uh, I think it, you know, Paul, Paul Paul was there was a there's a lot in the Bible about liberty uh, and freedom, and that that there is a good kind of that, and there's an ideal, and uh, uh, our society does not have to agree with the Bible at every point. But um, I think religious liberty in the 20th and 21st century is something that's still desirable. Uh, There's a great passage, that, another one that I was looking at um, just a couple of pages earlier. I'm looking at an E version, so I don't know what the page is exactly, but somewhere uh, before 152, Christianity will combat Bolshevism, communism, but if, it is, but if it is accepted in order to combat Bolshevism, it is not Christianity. Christianity will produce a unified nation in a slow but satisfactory way, but if it is accepted in order to produce a unified nation, it is not Christianity. Christianity will, will produce a healthy community, but if it is accepted in order, in order to produce a healthy community, it is not Christianity. And he, and he goes on. And I think, which I think is just exactly right. Um, um, I don't know, Daryl, what was Machen's eschatology? He sounds like an amillennialist to me, but I, I don't know for sure what it was. Well, I think he was post-mill up until oh, World War One. Okay. But which most American Protestants, Reformed Protestants, would have been. Warfield was. I mean, I, I, I think most of the Princetonians were. I think amillennialism might have been around in some... Well, in the Dutch circles, for sure. But even the term itself is brand new, right? There's, in, in 1920... Almost nobody's using the word amillennial. So even if you were an amillennialist, you called yourself post mill because that was the you're either pre mill or post mill. Terminal. I think an argument can be made though that some of the optimism that which is part of the post millennial 
uh, worldview was pretty prominent, I think, amongst some of the early Princetonians, especially around the sure. 20th, at the turn of the 20th century. And before that, there was this, uh, I remember uh, seeing something uh, about uh, what the, potentially one of the reasons that the Methodists and the Baptists had such a wonderful time uh, expanding west in the United States and sort of let, leaving uh, the Presbyterian Church in the dust, as it were, is that the, the Presbyterians didn't take it to heart so much because they had this post-millennial view that it would all work out in the end anyways. That's what, and, yeah, uh, Bob Godfrey so said that I think it that was recently. more prominent, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> but, I, I mean, I would just go back to, to say to Scott, I, I'm not sure the Roman society was as bad as he made it. I mean, granted, it wasn't, there were lots of bad parts of it, but there were lots of tribes in the North and other places that wanted to be part of it, partly because it provided a mechanism for trade and commerce and some measure of peace um, and protection from warring tribes. And, you know, I, I wonder what Christianity would have how it would have gone had the Roman Empire not been in place. Um, you know, God's sure. providence and, and all that. But um, but I also think if you, if you say that, the, and I think it's right to say the Bible says very little, New Testament says very little about civil society and uh, voluntary associations and schools and all that stuff that we sort of take for granted, that that's true. It, it it could be the, also that the New Testament writers were were re relying on a lot of stuff in society being sort of in place. But if we if we want to say that the Bible doesn't speak to those things, and then if we go as far as saying those other things are not important, then you're going to then we're we're leaving all sorts of ground for Christian nationalist types and. Um, Christian masculine types to rush in and say, no, we're going to fix it. Yeah, and no, I, I rather than recognizing that there, there's so much that we share in common with non-believers in civil society and depend on them um, and want that society to go as well as possible, even though everyone's fallen. Um, th those are try to, to try to work, in, in that environment for a stable order so that we can rear our kids, so that we can proclaim the gospel, so we can disciple people in our churches. That's a real, that's a huge thing. So that there's enough food that we don't have to worry about food kitchens and, and, and the like. Um, and again, that's not a Christian program. It's, a, I think it's a recognition of the way that nature or the created order works and Christians are very much a part of that created order yeah. and would like to see other people, non-believers, do, do okay in that created order and try to run things well. Well, um, now, speaking of doing okay in food, uh, I believe, Daryl, you recently won third place for a cake in the Hillsdale County Fair. I did. So... That's some sort of flourishing or cultural transformation, or I mean, did you give out the recipe? No, no I was really, I was really pissed. Pardon the French, but no, no, it was the best thing that I've submitted 
<laughs> I've submitted about five years running now. Was was it so anti was it anti Christian prejudice that got you third place? It may have been anti Semitic because I get the <laughs> I, I get the recipes from a previous editor, a, a former editor, Ivan D. He published two of my books. He is a, a Jewish American in Chicago, but he. He and his wife have a, a country house up in Wisconsin, and he's a great baker, and he wins all sorts of prizes at the county fair in Wisconsin. And so I ask him for recipes every year, something that's won, and this was one of the recipes is, was a chocolate zucchini cake. And it's it's and he, he wrote the, the recipe, the PDF he sent me with the recipe, um, he wrote, I'm pretty sure it's his handwriting, uh, dark and rich, damn good. <laughs> and it was. It's a really great cake, and it's the best I've submitted. And it only got. I've won first first place one year a couple of years ago. I don't remember what I submitted, um, but this was better than that, and I only got third place. My theory is that the recipe calls for it to be to bake not as a layer cake. But it's sort of like a in a brownie pan, even though it's thicker than brownies. And it just doesn't look like a cake. People think it looks like brownies. And it doesn't have the elegance of a of a cake. It looks like a, a finger food sort of thing. And I think that was the prejudice hmm. against it. Yeah. But I love it is how a, Go ahead. No, go ahead. I, I love how even on the uh five hundred episode of Presby Cast, uh the show still goes off the rails. This is this is excellent. Oh, I did. There still has not been a mention. There's been no mention of the great Taco Bell thread. There's yeah. been. This is National I mean, Taco Day. Come on. Yeah, I was waiting for Brad to do a live. I think you should do a live Taco Bell or Taco review. Yeah. I, I, does your doctor get after you and tell you to knock it off? Actually, you know, I've lost like twelve pounds in two two weeks. Uh, oh, here he goes on I mean, the CrossFit. Low, low thing carb? Again. No, it's low carb. Um, so, but, but you have to eat carbs sometimes. So I'll, I'm I'm not going to forsake the uh, the tacos, but uh, I've dialed it back. Uh, not not because I have like heart trouble. It's just because uh, I think things made from white flour, wheat flour, make me feel bad. So mm. the easiest way to cut that out is just cut almost all mm. that stuff out. By the hey, way. Uh, but when you st when you started playing clips from your f early shows, 2016, I thought I was listening to one of your your food reviews inside your car. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, it does change the uh, sound. Yes. No, the audio is actually. I've been impressed with the quality of the audio. It is um, in the in those uh, food reviews. Well, you could do salad reviews. I would watch you doing salad reviews. Well, now in I, I just car, want to see that. Would that. Be messy. Let me tell you. Well, I had a salad tonight that any one of you would love. It was uh, it was uh, you know salad greens, a bunch of avocado, par oh. Parmesan cheese, uh, not avocado, uh, guacamole, uh, uh, sp spicy guacamole. Uh, I put Parmesan cheese on everything, lots of Parmesan, and then queso uh, uh, queso jalapeno dip as as dressing. <laughs> and for the croutons, when you're eating low carb. It's, Snickers. Uh, it, no, it's uh, pork rinds smashed up. Okay. <laughs> and then I put some habanero sauce on top of that, and it was fantastic. Where was the meat? 
No, there was. That's what I that was the pork for. rinds. The pork rinds. Oh, okay, pork rinds. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Did hey, you, so uh, you did you did hot cheese on lettuce? Oh yeah. Well, yes, yes. That is that is a <laughs> brave, brave. Out of all the, out of all the culinary choices, that's one of them. Yeah. And you're worried about wheat? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the habanero sauce would put me down. So the what I love about the food reviews, I know that this is not the 500th, you know, food review, but. Uh, it's the face that Brad makes when he takes the first bite. <laughs> I think everyone should find someone who loves them as much as 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 Brad loves the food that he eats. He's always got the napkins at the ready. It's, right. The catch no, any drippings. I mean, I've been kind of going through withdrawal, so no pressure, but I, Yeah, we'll be we'll, the, it'll be back. It'll be back. It'll be back. It, where else I'm, in the reform world do you see that? That's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. I'm. I'm still very bitter that the the bag of hot mustard Doritos I reviewed was the last bag I was able to find. I think they discontinued them shortly thereafter. Very saddened by that. Somebody needs. Somebody needs to review the. I've only seen these at Walmart, but it's a. It's a. I think it's a Lay's Ruffle chip that has. Uh, Funyun seasoning. Oh yeah, I've, I've had them. They're great. They're great. <laughs> they are fantastic. <laughs> I'll bet Daryl Hart has never had a Funyun. I have not. What the heck is it? Um, it's like a Cheeto, but an onion ring. It's just it's just ah. it's just indeterminate puff with uh, onion flavor on it. Oh, they've been around forever. It's basically it's basically that was my nickname in high school. Right. <laughs> a lot of these products that have shapes like that, they're just mushed up cornmeal. They're baked in a round and then seasoned heavily with whatever. And Funyuns are delicious. I'm really. I, I, they're I, great I on salads, believe. actually. I'm talking to Daryl Hart and he's never had a Funyun. Well, I mean, Daryl, Daryl likes to eat responsibility yuns because he likes to work ethic with his uh, snacks. I I can tell you what the authorized OPC snack is. They're called dots. Craig Troxel turned me on to them. These are dots pretzels. are wonderful. They're pretzels. See, I, they're pre and I. Uh, they're they're really. Do you know where good. dots come from? Do you know where dots come from? North, North Dakota. Dakota. No, yes. North, yeah, Dakota. A. Eh? Yeah, yeah, you can eat when you open Dakota. the bag. It's it says pretzels. A. Eh? Um, they're very Although I, 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 I'm sad to report, so she sold that business to oh. one of to to Big Snack Food Inc. Oh. And they're so shutting that factory down in North Dakota. And where are they going to make so, them? They I won't taste the same. That's too I bad. Don't even know. China. <laughs> China. 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 It's a fallen world. So. All right. Well, let's Dots, I, I will say though that Dots pretzels are still amazing, and you should eat them. I Carol, have you ever had Dots pretzels? Dot, yeah. Dots pretzels yeah, is the best sure. thing that I've ever eaten in my entire life. It's the best pretzel. No, Dots uh, is better, but that, that that's we'll we'll leave it alone. Have you have you tried them? Yeah, I've had them. At least and you once. weren't that impressed. Well, no, not not really. There's no accounting you, for taste. Have you tried the Costco soft pretzels? We had some of those no. the other day at a faculty gathering. No, I'm not. I'm not a rich man. Again, <laughs> Funyun, Funyun flavored ruffles. That's the way to go. Funyun right. flavored it, ruffles. It, it, it took an hour, but uh, Brad got in something that he doesn't like. So, <laughs> good job. All right, let's hear clip five. Vic, you're going to inspire us to talk about something. Oh yeah, we're still doing this. 
the Twitter account long before there was ever a rumbling of a podcast. But uh, you know, it's something that that we want to be lighthearted, but but also something that we wanted to start because we wanted to. I think that kind of I won't say Lutheran, but that Luther esque humor. Um, about the very serious subjects is something that's always uh, appreciated and kind of puts things in perspective as well. So this gives us yeah, let me. This gives us a chance to kind of do that with the, you know, whether it be you know conversing with other anons or just other churchmen who care about the same things that we do. Um, you know, this is kind of that place to sort of joke around or pull up a stool, light up a smoke, whatever you want to do, and uh, sort of be that. Or have, a fresca. In the re- or have a fresca, you know, whatever you identify with. All right. So that was sort of apropos. Uh, we, we do try to have fun. Um, uh, I think I'd like to interview Scott Swain sometime. He's done some work on the, the fact that God's happy. Um, he's happy because he always gets what he wants and he's never frustrated. And uh, he knows how things are going to turn out. And I think we can have a good time and be happy for the same reasons, not because we are uh, omniscient and all-powerful, but because God is. But anyway, that was sort of appropriate. We uh, we realized if if we weren't going to do this, if we weren't if we didn't occasionally uh, have some fun, and uh, thankfully our guests have been on board with that, and our listeners over the years. That clip reminded me of one of my first notes as ombudsman that I passed to you, Brad. Is you and Russ be stepping over each other all the time in the early episodes. Oh, the segues and the handoffs could could not. Oh my worse. gosh, they were terrible. Well, have you ever had anybody uh, get upset with you on the podcast? Have you ever had someone who was sort of, you know, your intellectual foe? And it was kind of a debate, and and it got heated. Maybe between the debating. Well, no, you know, we had the um, we had, we had Andy Webb and Scott Sauls on, and uh, I remember that. that but they it, were civil. The, pretty much, yeah, yeah. Um, no, no, we 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 haven't really had any real heat on the show. I mean, that may be because we usually get people that we more or less agree with, right? But maybe we're just we're not we're not jerks actually. Um, you know, I, I just we we've never uh, we've never ambushed anyone, and the um, the, in, the intention debate got a little testy. Yeah, at times. well, it, you know, but it still it wasn't bad. The, the 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 heat with that came afterwards and was not really didn't really have anything to do with it. It was between parties, different parties later, but uh, that certainly was not a not planned or part of the program uh, either. Uh, so let's hear the last one real quick, and of course, again, we can talk about humor or lack thereof later. But let's see what the uh, what the final clip from the first show seven and a half years ago was. Uh, there's always time for something to go horribly and catastrophically wrong. <laughs> I'm, I'm a big proponent of that, and uh, also, you know, I want you to imagine bumper music as we're pulling out here. Um, but uh, we do thank the uh, the tens of you uh, who will listen, and uh, uh, I'm sure this, this has been worth what you paid for it. And um, it, you'll know whether you should listen again or not. But uh, I think it's time. <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just just do what seems best to you. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh, always let your conscience be your guide. I think that's uh, that's where we want to go. Uh, so we'll say good night, and uh, we thank you for listening. And uh, stay tuned because we'll get uh, mm-hmm. technically better at least. So uh, thanks a lot, and good night from Resby and Chortles Weekly. Good night, everyone. All right, so that, I guess that was the end of the uh, first show, or very near it. Uh, and it no, was, uh, no Silent Topher clip from that first show? Uh, we did mention he's him. He's blowing up my phone right now. No, we, we did mention him, and he's sort of gone quiet. That's our uh, producer, Silent Topher, the millennial. Um, he's, uh, he's really, uh, yeah, he's something. But we haven't heard from him lately, and some, we've got newer listeners that don't know anything about uh, Silent Topher. Yeah, well, that's the beautiful thing about podcasts. Uh, there are no general managers to tell you not to do inside jokes on the air. Oh yeah. So I heard you know, somewhere around over the time we started the podcast, I heard I heard someone say, you know, some expert or author or something, uh, that the way to build group cohesion was to have inside jokes and not to explain everything. And we tried to do that. Uh, we tried to keep sort of keep the learning curve steep, so that uh, the people that hung around really wanted to. But um, we'll, you know, how how well that worked or didn't work, I don't know. And there's Zoe. Zoe's with us, so we're going to bring her in. Uh, she's now part of the show, in as much as uh, the, she's one of the Presby girls. The other Presby girl is uh, in the uh, chat, uh, but Zoe, can you hear us? I can. Can you hear me? Yes, reasonably well. We'll turn. I'm you. so sorry for that. We'll turn you really. up a little bit. We'll turn you up a little. So I, I don't know how long you've been down there. Um, you were in the bottom rank, and I couldn't see it. Uh, but it's uh, okay. I was only there for five minutes, and I thought the longer I wait, the funnier <clears throat> it's going to be. So uh, I've I've talked to the other Presby girl on our uh, group chat that we have with uh, some friends of ours, and I said, should I just add myself or just wait? Because I feel like adding myself would be rude. So oh no, you you could have done that. I've only been there. I've only been here for like two minutes, so no harm done. I so, won't. I won't mean tweet about it later. So, so fun fact, you know the the Presby girls shows, which are on our feed. Uh, their show with Rosaria Butterfield is by far the biggest show we've ever had. So uh, there's nothing more relaxing than humility, I've heard. So yes, we're 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 the second most popular show on our own feed, uh, but that's okay. That was all all by design, and uh, and on purpose. So uh, Zoe, did we met at uh, we met in uh, St. Louis in 2019? No, it was 2021. 21. Sorry. COVID, yes, 2021. Because and, I found PresbyCast over COVID. So, anyway, you were saying? Well, and you went you went back and listened. You're one of the weirdos that went back and listened to the every show. You went to the beginning. That was That was not a good, that was not really Did, a good call. Didn't Zoe, didn't, didn't Zoe debut on PresbyCast the same, the same week as Sarah Morris? Because that was a general assembly, Same right? show. Same show. Same show. That was right. Yep. Yep. Okay. I, I know talent when I see it. <laughs> yep. And I'm just here for making the jokes, I guess. Um, Sarah and I met at General Assembly that year. We actually were not friends before we started doing Presby Girls together. That was completely a machination of Brad. Brad's imagination. He said, "You know, hey, you guys do have a lot in common. So why don't you 
get together and uh, worked out great. Uh, we've had six, six or seven shows so far. So clearly our, our portfolio is just vast. It's yeah, been but, fun. but the quality's good, but the quality's good. All right. So let me, we got a couple more quick clips and uh, I think it's important to go ahead and play them. We've got time. We've got Chris with us, and you know when you do when you do shows, uh, Scott. You probably didn't know this. The first time we had you on was the first time we did bumper music. Oh, uh, yeah. You're that was that was the case. So that was kind of important. Uh, and um, when we found the, the song that we used for the intro today, um, somebody's somebody's noisy. Is that you, Scott? No, it's me. Okay, that's all right. Um, you know, it's the cat. slicing some of his third place cake over there. <laughs> <laughs> Not going to waste any of it. Um, so the you know the, when we found the uh, the sh- the song that we used for the intro today, that was kind of an important moment because we both liked it. We thought we can do something with this with this music. Um, but I think one of the most important shows in Presby Cast history was Tiny Church Nation. Which I think was in twenty late twenty sixteen twenty seventeen with Chris, and we realized that that the 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 rank and file, the average Bay Park Church, the small church, was sort of a big deal to us. So let's uh, let's hear what uh, Chris had to say way back uh, at least uh, five and a half six years ago. Is the fresh the fresh blood out of seminary, and then that guy gets moved up the chain to the next larger church and so on and so forth, a very, uh, you know, career-minded kind of model. And the more I have lived in the ministry of the church, uh, the, just the less and less appealing that kind of thing uh, is to me. I, my view of the ministry is the pastors need to be around the people. They're charged with uh, ministering the word and sacraments to the people of God and to uh, provide pastoral care and comfort in times when they need it. They need to be baptizing kids. They need to be doing burials. They need to be going to the hospitals. Uh, they need to be preaching the word. They need to be administering the sacraments and attending to the life and work of the church. And you do that most fully as a pastor in the smaller church environment. I, I find that the idea of just sort of, you know, uh, having the, the work of a minister be mostly limited to Sunday morning, preaching for services or whatever it is, and, and taking the rest of the week off while the worship team comes up with a plan for next week or whatever it is that those folks do. Uh, I, I just, it, it, well, no, it just never strikes me as the way the church should operate. You've got to have time to do vision casting. Yeah, and PowerPoint slides and all that other hoo-ha. I just, well, but, you I, know, know, I mean, you've got, to, you've, got to, you've got to work on this vision casting thing. Uh, that's, <laughs> you know, i got to... You know, if I see one more Ed Stetzer advertisement in my Facebook feed for how to break the 200 barrier, I think I'm okay. Pet. It drives me um, nuts. Yeah. I I I really go hard on El Beardo pretty recently, <laughs> but I man. need to be careful because I have one like that. But, uh, <laughs> you you are you are doing a good you are doing I trust yours, Chris. <laughs> yeah, um, you lack the oversized sport coat to go with it, so. <laughs> Um. Oh, I'm so tempted to say something. I'm just not going to do it. You know, it's just, it's just you know that that kind of mindset has ultimately a disservice to the life of the local church. Yes. Uh, it, it just is. The ministry of the people of God is about attending to the means that God has given to His church for bringing the message and the gospel of salvation through the means of grace. 
Yeah, so at some point we figured out that this, uh, you know, this, this increasingly popular phrase, uh, ordinary means of grace, were what we wanted to promote. That and chicken sandwiches and having a good time and making fun of music, which will be our last uh, our last clip. But um, Chris, anything you would add to that, or um, I mean, if your convictions change, I mean, you're now a, you're now a, a highly paid uh, so you know full time pastor. You were just you were bivocational back then. Yeah. Uh, nothing's changed. You're still in the attic and you're still a baby bed in the yeah. background or whatever that is. But um, no, that's actually the stairway. That's the railing we installed when we got the house, oh, so the okay. kids wouldn't fall down the steps. Yeah. Or, so I wouldn't fall down the steps. Well, you have several. Um, you know, it wouldn't have been a big deal yeah. if you'd lost one. Uh, you know, that was an interesting time. You said 2016. I was actually at that time in the midst still of coming into the OPC from the PC USA. So it was, uh, um, that was a, a big transitional time just in my own life. Uh, coming to terms was it, with, because did you did we first talk to you? It was on that first kind of call in show. Yeah, as you yeah, came yeah. in and said what you were doing, and Chortles and I were texting each other, just a, a an elongated what, yeah. and yeah. Uh, was like this is crazy. Uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, so it was a big time. It was a big time for me personally, but it, it was also a time where I was coming under the increasing conviction that uh that that churches uh churches best serve the people when they're not gigantic plain and simple we're finite people we have finite capacities to help and serve others in the ministry and uh, that that needs to be the minister's top priority and the place where that be is uh, the most conducive environment for that kind of ministry, which I think is biblical, is in smaller rather than larger churches. Well, that's been a you know we've done we've done shows on rural churches, and uh, we're going to do um, a show soon on uh, church planning, uh, fairly modest church planning efforts, and uh, that's continued to be our uh, focus. So, uh, any any thoughts from anyone else on the panel on any of these issues? I mean. As I think back to 2016, 17, and 18, we had a lot of to say about the Gospel Coalition. Um, one of the thing, what things that's changed, and uh, Dr. Hart has probably noticed this, is that the you know the Gospel Coalition is sort of what what held together as sort of highbrow evangelicalism of a slightly reformed flavor has sort of splintered since then. You know, you've got uh, Russell Moore and Ed Stetzer who we've alluded to going off, moving to the left, or maybe the middle, they would say. Uh, You've got, you know, Harry Reeder left the Gospel Coalition before he died, a couple of years before that. And and then you've got, you had the fiasco with the creation of the Keller Center, and then the death of Tim Keller, uh, which has got to have an effect on the Gospel Coalition. So things have changed a lot in seven years. So... Daryl, any thoughts? And now on they're that? reduced to they're, now they're reduced to producing articles, uh, trying to figure out if you've sinned against ChatGPT or whatever that was yeah. this last uh, little bit. It's it's really kind of gone off the rails, which is kind of funny because the kind of the central controlling council is still dominated by pretty reformed people. 
but it it just seems so often when you see content coming out of there, it's it's not even connected to anything. It's just almost grasping for straws, uh, gr- grasping for straw, grasping for clicks. Daryl, what's the and, what's uh, the state of the uh, gospel industrial complex at the moment? Well, I don't go to the website that much. I mean, I I probably hear more about it from um, the restless guys. Um, on their podcast, they they usually often will devote a whole episode to something that's happened in the TGC world. Um, but it it does whatever I do go there, it does seem like uh, the the original celebrities that brought the thing together that made it possible. Some have died, some have moved on, some are in decline. So you have a lot of other people without maybe as much talent, certainly not without the names. Certainly they have, they don't have the name of the other people who are writing a lot of these articles for TGC. But I mean, to go back to 2016, I do think that TGC began to fray about that point, And it was over race. Um, I mean, Thabiti Anyabwile was very outspoken. Um, and, you know, sometimes maybe he had a point, but sometimes he maybe he was overdoing it. And he hasn't written for them for a long time. Um, and I, I think that kind of put, that put a dent in a, a kind of shared sense that we were in this together because all of a sudden it was, well, you white guys may be in it together, but look at, look at what's happening to us black guys. Um, and Jamar Tisby wasn't at TGC, but he also went uh, rebranded. Um, so I, I really do think the race uh, issue, policing and um, systemic racism, all the other uh, ways people have tried to uh, talk about it, did put a real dent into the, to the big Eva phenomenon. It's, it was just interesting. So uh, Brad asked, you know, what, what, what was I doing in 2016? And I had no recollection. That was the year that uh, uh, Les was here to, to shoot parts of the Calvinist documentary. And maybe that documentary was sort of the apex of the whole young, mm-hmm. restless, and reformed mm-hmm. thing. Um, and as you say, for the reasons you say, Daryl, that the wheels just sort of came off. And, and that was the end of, of um, yeah, that, 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 that documentary might have been the end of, uh, uh, of uh, the Young Restless and Reform movement in some ways. And the whole thing just cracked up for the reasons that you say. Yeah, so maybe maybe never make a documentary about anything because it's a you know death death knell, possibly. It, uh, on the smaller church thing that we were uh, talking about, um, I I still think that's you know hugely important. Um, I, I just saw today a piece read it t- today a piece where um, you know Christopher was talking about where uh, Mark Driscoll comes in through a private door into the auditorium 
where he's preaching in Scottsdale, Trinity Church, surrounded by a security of, of a phalanx of security people, armed security people, and then he leaves. And the article says that according to the congregation, he has almost no contact with the congregation. He shows up, he does his show, you know, and then disappears. And, you know, Elvis leaves the stage and, and that's it. Elvis has left the building. There's no reason to hang, out, hang around anymore. Um, and uh, people are showing up. And they, uh, his, remarkably, the thing that drove the growth of his church from 800 people to 2,000 was the COVID lockdowns. He's one of, of the guys that said, you know, we're going to stick it to the man. And uh, people love that. Uh, one guy who's not there anymore said, well, we went because he was saying the things that I thought and uh, or something like that. Uh, he, he, you know, he said what I was feeling, I think is what uh, is what the quote said. And I thought, you know, that used to be Rush Limbaugh's slogan, that that's how he that's how he built his empire was saying on the on the radio what people in the middle of the country were, were thinking, um, which is fine for a talk show host. But it's a it's a terrible um, description of ministry. Uh, Mark Driscoll isn't getting paid to say what what people think; he's getting paid to say what God thinks. So. Yeah, Senator Palpatine has a message for uh, for uh, Mark Driscoll. The Presbyterian Church like enjoys you not. That, there you go. <laughs> so that that's from a, a crazy uh, bootlegged. Uh, Chinese version of a Star Wars movie, where they where they did the English subtitles off of the Chinese, um, which was a bad translation anyway. And in this movie, you can look it up on you can look it up on YouTube. It's called Backstroke of the West. That's how Return of the Jedi. No, no, no. Um, Revenge. I don't know what it's even. I don't. It was the third movie in the the prequels. I think second or third third i think and uh so they translated in this movie jedi council is presbyterian church that's an actual subtitle right so that yeah because because the elders of the jedi sat on the council yes and so that's how you end up with the presbyterian church like enjoys you not yes and and look and look how well those teaching elders worked out for them there's there's the resby doctrine has reared its uh, ugly head they were trying to redeem the empire, Resby. Yes, yes. Lord Palpatine was simply a, a reformer, and everybody everybody knows it. Well, let's uh, as we you know we're, we're, we'll go just a little long, but we won't go much longer. Um, we we've done a little uh, musical criticism here, and we're talking about the Gospel Coalition. I think one of the worst things they do is the quality of their. The contemporary Christian music that they promote, uh, some of it, mm-hmm. some of it's very lame, uh, but th- that's nothing new. Uh, the Southern Baptist uh, of the '60s and '70s, when when it was really a mainline church, uh, and really it's sort of it's going back to that in some ways, a little bit. Uh, History is repeating itself, but uh, I want to play this clip from. Well, there was this guy on Twitter called D-Bag Worship Guy. He's still there. Very funny. We begged him to come on the show. He's only been on twice. And we reviewed a, um, a 60s um, Southern Baptist musical produced from Nashville, the same culture that gave us uh, the same building that um, Russell Moore operated in as he moved toward the 
the mid, the middle and the left. But let's uh, let's hear this little. We'll hear a little bit of music. This is and and please pay attention to me and Amish laughing harder than I think I've ever laughed in uh, my radio co-hosting life. Yeah, the, the third voice will be D Bag Worship Guy. So uh, you can tell he has some real world experience of the contemporary, probably mega church. So um, it, there was some point can there. We, can we go around the room and <laughs> ask each other what we think the um, the Bible line is? Because I, I was writing it down. Um, I, I also, oh, this I I love this song. <laughs> so so uh, DB, what do you uh, what did you make of that number? I mean, it, it had sort of an impressive Motown start, and then it 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 kind of Lawrence walked out there, but what do you think? Well, I had two thoughts jump out at me. Um, one, this music is probably best understood by animals, infants, and death. Um, <laughs> second thought, if you know, I'm trying to kind of create an emergent comparison between like something modern to describe aptly this sound. I would say if the mentally challenged Beach Boys met ABBA in a collective somehow functional coma and somehow reported what happened, this may very well be exactly what happened at that time. That, that's what I would say. Is it like if Brian Wilson just never recovered. Yeah. It's the mentally challenged Beach Boys. And they're meeting ABBA in a collective somehow functional coma. And it just, I mean, like, what, what would happen there? If this happened, I'll, I'll, I mean, I'm feeling that this may be what happened. I'm just saying, I'm just putting oh. it out there. I'm putting it out. I, I'll never be able to look at the record cover to pet sounds this same again. <laughs> Hence, the music is best understood by animals, infants, and the deaf. <laughs> okay, well, we're, we're losing it here. And, uh, <clears throat> There you go. Well, um, well, thanks for that because I, I sure. wouldn't have I wouldn't have thought of all that. I'm, I'm trying to, to have input that matters here. That, that's why it's we. It's like he was hiding in plain sight. Yeah. All right. So uh, you can you can look on the feed for uh, what's happening now, the SBC musical, and uh, we... high motion. We just play the whole episode <laughs> as one final clip. Yeah. We've we've run it twice, so it we was run it, twice. it was that good, it was that good. So, um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, and the whole the whole reason for the 
the kind of music we play is to remind everyone that all music was once contemporary and that if you're not careful, it's going to be really embarrassing one day. I mean, Scott, I know you played you played uh, contemporary Christian music of some kind back in the 80s or sometime. Uh, yeah, 1980. Darryl, I don't know in your in your upbringing whether you know y'all were so square. You didn't do much of that. Maybe when you got to college, you you went overboard on some of this Jesus Jesus music. But I've never heard you talk about that. But I was I sang in in um, the choirs at at these Bible conference campgrounds two or three summers. But we weren't doing. We were doing more. More hymnody, more chorale sorts of stuff. Um, maybe a little John Peterson. Um, but I did perform. Um, that that choir did perform for the teenage camp that was part of this campground complex. We did one of the Ralph Carmichael uh, musicals. I tell it like it is or Natural High or one of those. Um, yeah, so But I did... I liked my my uh, my music secular. Just keep it the stuff I'm going to listen to during the week. Keep it from keep it away from Christians. Yeah, I think that's you know some some understanding of two kingdom theology. I think it protects worship uh, when you don't when you don't try to spread it out too thin and and put it too much in a blender. It's it's okay. To uh, to listen to, to to one thing on Friday night and, and not exp- not have that bleed into Sunday, that's my that's my opinion. Scott, any what thoughts? You always say what's that? I was just about to say it. Chris always has this thing that he posts on Twitter every time there's like a Christian secular mashup of something. He says uh, you're not making Christianity any better; you're making music worse. <laughs> uh, that's from King of the Hill. Yeah. Man. Repurposed. But, it's a great. It's a great mem template. Chortles, can I play just like fifteen seconds of Larry Norman so that as, people know? Sure, what, as much as you want. If you can get it, wow, um, lather it over us. See, it, it didn't all suck. This isn't bad. The rock that doesn't roll. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess the fact that, um, what was it, uh, Greg Thornberry wrote, wrote a, a biography on uh, Larry Norman. That, that probably, that probably I mean, ruined him for me. But uh, <laughs> That wasn't it, a bad book. Oh, you I, read I, it? I, enjoyed, I did. I enjoyed oh, that book. Greg Thornberry, so, book owner. There you go. Yes. Wow. <laughs> I own books by lots of, <laughs> of folks. I mean, it was better than John Mellencamp. I'll give it that. Uh, I have to confess, I don't know quite what to say to that. To the song? No, to your being a Thornberry book haver. <laughs> <laughs> I have books by lots of folks. Do you have really oh, big, yeah. really big glass? For, you have we wear glasses during the week. Really huge frames and no, but I wig. did back in the seventies. Okay, all right. So, yeah. I had huge glasses. I mean. Yeah. Everyone went through their Gussie Fink Noddle stage, I guess. <laughs> yeah. uh, 
Well, that, those are the clips. Those are the precious memories <laughs> as they linger. So that's all we got. You did this. You did. You did this all to yourselves. Yeah. So, so uh, I guess you know. What, what, any, you know, well, I'll open it up uh, before we wrap up to um, just anything. Any thoughts anyone has um, uh, about the last seven years, or what the future holds, or uh, or 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 Scott Clark's. Taste in music does really matter. <laughs> I'm thankful for Presby Cast. Um, so it's a it's a friendly voice. It's a familiar voice. It's a sound, a theologically ecclesiastically sound uh, uh, voice. It's a it's a practical voice, and it's I think it's exercised a lot of. Uh, Harrison Bergen says I shouldn't use the word influence, but I don't know what to substitute for the for the word influence. How about effect? Uh, it, it's had effect and affect on the PCA. Um, it's given voice to uh, ruling elders, uh, concerns of ruling elders, and um, sort of a guerrilla war in favor of orthodoxy and orthopraxy in the PCA. So, and and the Presby Girls are outstanding. I never miss a Presby Girls episode. So, I uh, I think it's a great channel, and it's a it's a wonderful podcast. And um, I even enjoy the. I remember, and there's Ranger. That's <laughs> my buddy. And that's because Ranger. Ranger and I, but when we walk on Sunday morning before church, because you you got to walk the dog just like you have to, you know, milk the cows on Sunday morning if you have them. We listen to the Heidelcast while we're walking early on Sunday morning, and Doctor Hart tells me Wait, that he he listens. You do it on speakerphone. Uh yeah yeah sometimes I'll just I'll, I. There's no one around, so I just turn oh uh, speakerphone. Yeah, I do it. Yeah, I'm that person. So, so Ranger hears the uh, Heidelcast, and Doctor Hart usually listens to Presbycast on Sunday morning. He tells us, oh, and, nice. and he hates it when when the weeks that he's on, he's only been on 25 times. Uh, there's nothing for him to listen to. And Dr. right, Doctor Clark, you've been on 22 times, I think. So, <laughs> but make that 23 and 26 now. Yeah. So, well, I'm foregoing recording my own show so that I could do this one. Well, that's, that's how much I think of Presby Cast. Well, we, we're... So don't we're, quit. We're glad you're Keep with going. us. Yes, we're glad. Anything else from our esteemed panel? Well, you stole what I was going to say, that I, I don't have anything to listen to this Sunday morning. <laughs> Obviously, there are many other podcasts I listen to, but still, I like, I like to... Have my breakfast with Presbycast on in the background, and uh, I've got to find something else this week. It's always a good time to go back and listen to the full musical review episode. That, that's true. <laughs> um, I did have trouble listening to that one, so I have flashbacks to the Lanny Wolf trio. So, uh, well, nobody may- mentioned. Well, I guess we should, should we mention the other great musical review episode that Resby did with Drew Mills. Oh, that one? oh, oh the, Kanye. the Kanye West career retrospective. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, um, wh- he, what's important to note is that uh, <laughs> we made exactly zero incorrect predictions. Um, you know, he has um, remained a stalwart voice for Calvinistic Protestantism in the United States. Um, you know, and, and especially of late, has definitely done nothing that could earn an indecent exposure arrest. <laughs> so, uh, you got to give the man credit where it's due. 
Yeah, I'd just like to say that uh, Presby Cass has been uh, a staple in driving to church with the kids, and um, especially though the walking through Westminster stuff like that. That's just been uh, fantastic with, with Chris Drew. Um, it's Chris Drew, of course. Um, lately, what I've really appreciated is the Presby girls. You know, I'm a, a father of four kids and and uh, two two teenage daughters and. As they're kind of navigating what's going on out there, I, I find their content to be really edifying and uh, just a good springboard for having those types of conversations with my kids. So please do more episodes of that. Um, but uh, no, it's it's just been a blessing in my life and my family's life. That's real sweet. That's real sweet. Thank you. We will. Uh, we're trying to fulfill our promises to our fans. Um, we, you know, we we've had some stuff going on very casually, but. Uh, no thanks to me. Sarah is the one who brings all the wisdom, uh, but uh, we are very flattered by that. Thank you. Well, we uh, we've had a good time, and uh, we'll keep doing it as we're we're able. And uh, appreciate all all of you. You've all been important uh, to uh, to the effort, and uh, we've had a good time. If we weren't having a good time, you know, we don't consider it a ministry. Uh, it's it's maybe it, it's us uh, sharing what's important to us and talking to people that we like and if that's helpful, that's good. Uh, but it's not it's it, it's not always going to be serious and it's not always going to be um, everybody's cup of tea, and that's that's fine. So uh, we've enjoyed it, and uh, whether 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 our wives have enjoyed it as much as we have, that's that's another issue. But we'll we'll just <laughs> leave that alone. Or and, our husbands. Yeah. Oh, well, yes. Hmm. Right. Speaking of husbands, I just couldn't let it go without getting this in. Um, when I Presby cast, I know you guys don't consider yourselves a ministry, but you might consider yourselves a, a matchmaking service. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Without, yep, do it. <laughs> all right. Uh, this is the first time I've actually ever mentioned this directly on the show. So uh, Presby cast came about as close as you can get to being the reason that I'm married now. So here's the story, which is going to be the distilled version of the story. Cause Brad's in his, I'm going to wrap this up voice, which I recognize because I listen take, to take, take your religiously. Time. Take your time. <laughs> I will. Uh, but uh, so uh, that episode that uh, we did with Rosaria was very popular. And so uh, the session of my now husband's church listened to that episode with Rosaria Butterfield. And apropos of nothing, on that episode, Rosaria asks me if I'm single. And the, the context is the Revoice conferences and the theology of singleness, um, details like that. And so that's why she's asking me the question. So I answer like, yeah, I appreciate the fact that my church treats me like a normal Christian with uh, regular problems like every other Christian um, there's not some weird emphasis on the fact that I'm single, uh, which I appreciated. And so uh, my husband and uh, his friend, uh, who is the associate pastor at the church where he serves, uh, were talking about that episode afterwards. And uh, he goes, hey, that's, that's Zoe girl. She said that she was single, right? Um, and she said, and, and uh, his associate pastor slash friend just took that idea and completely ran with it. So he was at the after party of the GRN conference, um, which was May 
fourth through the sixth, I think, of 2022. So this is last year. And he started telling everybody that, oh, there's an assistant pastor down here in Texas at Redeemer who's got a crush on one of the Presby girls. And so I found out about it. And because of Derek Bright messaging the Discord about how there's a youth pastor from Texas who has a crush on me. And I immediately think, if he's a youth pastor, there's no way that he's my type. <laughs> there's absolutely no way. I imagine the skinny jeans, the satchel that blinds you with its leather brightness. Um, and then I uh, get a message from a mutual friend of ours. And he says, hey, I actually know this guy. I went to seminary with him and you guys would actually get along. So he does the classic friend move and he puts all three of us in a group chat together. And then when he sees that Seth and I are getting along, uh, he leaves and the rest is history. We <laughs> met for the very first time at General Assembly 2022 and now we're married. Thanks, Presby cast. Well, we do what we can. Yeah. No, I'll, I'll, at least I'll, something good has come from this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Can anything good come from the <laughs> radical 2K people? Just relatively good. So, but, but you've got a new relative now as a result. So it's all good. Truly. And maybe multiples yeah. eventually, hopefully. Now, Resby, our outro is pretty long. It's really good, but it's pretty long. So you don't, you can take as much time as you want and uh, don't be afraid. You're not going to get, uh, you're not going to run out of music as you say your piece. And as you say good night, and we say thank you. Yeah, thank you to everybody. Um, gosh, it's nice to not be keyboard catted for once. Um, as we, you know, close our five hundredth or whatever episode, um, still wild that it that it got to this point. Um, many people, I, I've alluded to the um, the single wide trailer that we lived in when we when we first started the show. Me and my family and. Um, it was furnished uh, because the person who lived in it prior had died and we didn't have furniture so we just kept what they had and the single cigarette burn in the right hand armrest uh, of the lazy boy recliner that I sat in to record some of these early episodes is I'll, I'll never forget the warm embrace of those cushions <laughs> but uh, as such in, instead of those cushions now I have you the listener uh, to warmly embrace me um, as we go off into the good night, whatever, uh, it's PresbyCast. We'll see you again at some point. And uh, thank you guys very much for doing, um, you know, all the sharing, all the posting, all the commenting. Uh, we're bringing friggin' marriages together. Uh, but most of all, we are choosing to not be a nerd.
What's wrong with you people?